In today's program, we continue our special series, Hearts and Minds Uplifted, a collection of short articles from the book of the same title. These stories by authors from all walks of life illustrate the tremendous personal growth that can be achieved by cultivating one's character through practicing Falun Gong. Rising from the Depths by a Chinese-American practitioner in the U.S. I'm a 26-year-old man, and I want to talk about my experiences after I began practicing Falun Dafa. I was a typical young Chinese-American from California. My whole family immigrated to the United States in 1989 from the southern part of China. After I arrived here, I gradually changed into someone that wasn't recognizable as me at all. For example, I took up smoking, drinking, and going to nightclubs. I even got involved with a group of gangsters in Chinatown. Fortunately, I did not commit any crimes involving fighting or shooting, although I used some fake credit cards to buy expensive things and stole change from parking meters. In 1997 or 1998, when I was doing nothing, I went to the library one day and spotted a golden book called Zhuan Falun. I was interested because I had heard about it before, even though I didn't remember from where, so I checked the book out along with the exercise video. At first, I thought it would be a really complicated book, but it was not. Instead, it used the most common language, yet contained the most profound explanations of the universe. I was really amazed and full of wonder at the book. I started reading it and finished it within days. At the time, I did not completely believe everything it contained, but I knew it was really good, so I started practicing some and following the requirements with respect to elevating my character. But I was a typical lazy person, so I couldn't keep practicing every day. Eventually, I stopped altogether. In 1999, I watched the news on Chinese TV when China started persecuting Falun Dafa. I didn't believe the news from China at all. But due to my very limited understanding I had gained for a very short time, I had some doubts about Dafa. But after I read the book again, I couldn't find anything bad in it at all. It was a pure book from heaven. However, human beings have a lot of reasons and attachments to give themselves all kinds of excuses not to follow the Fa. I was like this. In the next two or three years, I took up another really bad habit, smoking marijuana. I don't know why, but I didn't want to face reality anymore, and marijuana gave me that escape. I felt so happy and detached when I smoked, and in my deluded state of mind, sometimes even wondered if this was what achieving enlightenment was like. In the beginning, I smoked once a month, then it was once a week, then it was once every couple of days. Until finally I found myself smoking marijuana every day. Eventually I spent all of my money. I knew it had to stop, but instead I stole money from my parents to buy more marijuana. While telling myself that I would stop after just one more time, but who was I kidding? I ended up smoking marijuana non-stop every day for almost two years. 
One day I had spent all of my money, including the money I had stolen from my parents. I knew that if I didn't stop right away, it was all over for me. So I decided to put an end to this once and for all. I went online to the Clear Wisdom website, the predecessor of the Minghui website. After reading some of the new articles from Master Lee and some from the students, I realized how selfish and how bad I was. I swore to myself I would start over again. Since then, I read all the articles on the Clear Wisdom website every day, do two hours of practice at night, and go to bed reading Zhuan Falun before I fall asleep. It was not easy the first day I started again, especially when I was doing the second exercise. Maybe I had been too lazy in the past, but sweat dripped from my forehead to my chin, as if my hands were lifting thousands of pounds. In my mind, I kept telling myself to stop and leap onto the comfy bed. But visions appeared of the students in mainland China practicing every day, even in jails, with the prisoners and the police beating them up. But did they quit? No. The words from the books of Master Li also appeared, telling me that practice is hard. And if I could not even endure these little hardships, how could I practice cultivation? Who was I kidding? Thus, I did not stop my practice. I followed the Falun Dafa music and finished the whole two hours. It's been about a month since the day I decided to start practicing cultivation. During this time, the urge to smoke cigarettes and marijuana cropped up a couple times, but I kept reading the articles from Clear Wisdom and Zhuan Falun. Another thing happened two days after I decided to start practicing cultivation again. My best friend called me to go out and smoke marijuana like we usually did. I went with him, but after we smoked, I was very regretful that I had done it again. I realized that this was a test and that I had failed. I decided to tell my friend that I had started practicing cultivation. I told him that I had quit smoking cigarettes and that I would not smoke marijuana again, that this was the last time. It wasn't easy at that time for me. He kind of understood what I was saying, because from that day on, he hasn't called me again. Before I typed up this article, I wasn't sure I would be able to do it. I also want to thank Master Lee and express my respect and support for the students who are being persecuted in China. If it were not for Falun Dafa, I would still be wasting my life day after day. of Young Bebe from China by a practitioner in China. In May 1997, Bebe started to practice Falun Dafa along with his mother. At the time, he was nine years old. Dafa is now deeply rooted in his heart. The following are some of the stories from his practice. One day in September 1997, Bebe accidentally bumped into a classmate who was holding a cup of steaming hot water. The water was spilled and scalded the classmate's hand. Angrily, the classmate poured the remaining water onto Bebe's chest, causing bad burns that blistered immediately. Despite the injustice, Bebe kept silent and didn't blame the boy. 
other classmates were scared by the injury and called the teacher. The teacher informed the other students' parents and together they went to Bebe's home. Bebe's mother asked about what happened, but she mainly consoled the teacher and the classmates' parents without blaming them. Bebe said to his mother, I feel bad about bringing so much trouble to the teacher. Hearing this, the other students' parents and the teacher were too moved to say anything. We were prepared to face anger, said the other students' parents, but now we feel so ashamed. That night, when Bebe lay down to sleep after finishing his homework, his mother asked him, Do the burns hurt? No, answered Bebe. To a cultivator, one thought is often the difference between a good or bad outcome. The next morning, the blisters had disappeared and the skin looked normal. After that, the troublemaking student was no longer as badly behaved as before. In 1999, Bebe was attending his second semester of middle school. He ranked among the top five in the middle school entrance exam. One month after the beginning of the new semester, Bebe's mother went to appeal on behalf of Falun Gong in Beijing. Afterwards, Bebe and his father also appealed. They were arrested and the three family members were sent back home on the same day. Bebe's father was sent to a labour camp, while he and his mother were taken to the local 610 office. Seeing the sad look on his mother's face, Bebe encouraged her by saying, Mom, don't worry, I'll go to school all the same, but you must not write any statements promising to give up Falun Dafa. This shocked everyone in the room. His mother was sent to a detention centre. It is hard to imagine that an 11-year-old child would be forced to live alone. Although he had never been to his grandmother's house before, Bebe took the bus there alone and brought his grandmother back to his home. Arriving back in school, the principal and the teachers talked with him one by one, urging him to give up practising Falun Dafa. Bebe said, I should not lie. Under pressure, his teacher said sternly, You'll be expelled if you don't write the promise. Bebe, however, remained firm in his faith. At home, Bebe's grandmother and many other relatives anxiously tried to persuade him to write a fake promise to stop practising. But Bebe firmly insisted that following truthfulness, compassion and forbearance and striving to be a good person were not wrong. He refused to speak any lies against his conscience. Over the last three years, the persecution of Falun Dafa practitioners by the Chinese communist regime has continued to escalate. Bebe has been forced to live without the care of his parents and has borne tremendous hardship. On December 5th, 2001, Bebe's mother was arrested again for distributing materials that exposed the truth about the persecution of Falun Gong. His father was still in a labour camp. The police officers brought his mother to their home, ransacked it and stole a computer and other materials. His mother was handcuffed as Bebe watched. They sent Bebe's mother to a detention centre, leaving Bebe without his parents once again. 
The neighbours all knew that Bebe's mother was a good person, so they helped to look after Bebe while she was being held in the detention centre. Once Bebe went to visit his mother, and he comforted her by saying, I am fine, neither hungry nor cold. His mother relaxed a lot in her heart and became more determined in the jail. She fearlessly and continually clarified the truth to the criminals and wardens, thus benefiting those people's future. After conducting a hunger strike, his mother was finally released unconditionally on April 19, 2002. But the 610 office still refused to leave her alone. Ten days after her release, she was forced to leave home to avoid arrest. Bebe had to part with his mother yet again, but he was proud of her when he told her story to his classmates. His father kept clarifying the truth to the guards at the labour camp and was very determined to remain steadfast in his belief. He was released at the end of his sentence. Why I chose to practice Falun Dafa, the experience of a doctor of Western and Chinese medicine and former researcher of Qigong and acupuncture, by a Chinese practitioner in Japan. I obtained my bachelor's degree from China's Western Medical Science University and my master's degree from the Chinese Medical Science Research Institute. I have a master's degree in Qigong and acupuncture, certified by the State Education Commission of China and have served as the deputy chairman of the Heilongjiang Provincial Qigong Science Research Society and counselor to the Liaoning Provincial Qigong Science Research Society. I was also nominated and recommended by Mr. Zhang Zhenhuan, formerly director of China National Defense Science and Industry Commission and now chairman of the China Qigong Science Research Society as academic counselor of therapeutic Qigong. Since 1985, I have had many opportunities to give lectures in European and American cities by invitation. In 1989, I came to Japan to teach. In 1990, I accepted an appointment to work in Japan and settled down in Tokyo. Prior to coming to Japan, I worked as a leading attending physician for China's State Chinese Medical Science Research Institute in Beijing and a specially invited lecturer for the Therapeutic Qigong Research Institute of the Beijing Chinese Medical Science and Medicine University. To a Falun Dafa practitioner, the education, degrees, and titles mentioned above are of little significance. I list them here just to show that I have received formal training in modern science, and I am not a novice at Chinese and Western medical sciences, Qigong, and human body science research. In addition, being a senior high school graduate in the early 1960s and having gone through the Cultural Revolution and all types of ideological movements, I'm used to evaluating various theories and doctrines with a critical eye. I would not carelessly believe in or blindly follow any one or any theory. As to things new to mankind, I am of the opinion that we should not carelessly believe them or carelessly deny them. Rather, we should avoid the influence of our acquired perceptions and probe them with rational thinking and personal experience. Only after that shall we be able to draw a conclusion. Today, I will talk about my personal experience in choosing to practice Falun Dafa. What I will talk about here is from a beginner's perspective and won't be of much help to veteran practitioners. But to beginning practitioners and those interested in learning Falun Dafa, 
it may help them learn more about Falun Dafa and start the practice. In mid-1993, I left Japan for China to conduct research on various schools of Qigong practices. Near the Golden Fish Pond in Zhongshan Park in Beijing, I heard pleasant music and became curious about the source. I saw dozens of people practicing a Qigong system that I had never seen before. After the practice finished, I had a conversation with the practitioners. They told me that the practice was called Falun Gong, and the teacher was Mr. Li Hongzhi. They also mentioned that Falun Gong was a cultivation practice, and Master Li not only taught the practice, but also lectured on the Fa, Law and Principles, which guides spiritual cultivation at a high level. I thought to myself, this might be the advanced cultivation Dafa, great way, I have been seeking for years. Then, I started learning Falun Gong in the park every morning. Upon hearing that Master Li was going to give another series of lectures in Beijing, I asked the contact person of that practice site to enter my name too. August 27, 1993 was a day most worthy of celebration in my life. On that day, I became a practitioner at the 13th Falun Gong Lecture Series in Beijing. During that period, every evening I went to attend the lectures given by Master Li at the number 27 Beijing Locomotive Factory, way outside the city proper. Returning home after the third lecture, I practiced the fifth set of exercises for 30 minutes and felt light and comfortable all over my body, with no numbness or pain when doing the cross-legged meditation. That was the first time I physically experienced the great power of Falun Dafa. Before I attended the lectures, when I practiced lotus sitting for up to 30 minutes, I would feel swelling pains. In the past, I had been involved in human body supernormal capability research conducted by China's science and technology communities. In those days, the People's Daily, the official newspaper of the Chinese Communist Party, published a commentator's article denying the existence of human supernormal capabilities. At the same time, some people in the literature and science circles also published articles in central and local government newspapers and magazines to attack Qigong, labeling human body supernormal capabilities as pseudoscience, ignorance, and superstition. The overall situation turned ominous under the circumstances. As a result, many people who had come to probe supernormal capabilities were scared away, and only a few serious scientists continued their research. At that time, under the sponsorship of the renowned scientist Qian Shuisen, we called together people with supernormal capabilities from across the country. With the coordinated effort of researchers from the Physics Research Institute, the High Energy Physics Institute, and the Biophysics Institute of the Chinese Academy of Science, and the Number 1129 Institute of the Public Security Ministry, we made use of such high-tech instruments as microbeam video cameras, reaction testers, and brain electroscopes and testified to the validity of human body supernormal capabilities, including capabilities of peering through objects with the celestial eye, clairvoyance, and moving objects through dimensional barriers. Therefore, we came to conclude that besides the existing physical dimension we live in, there also exist other dimensions. The human body experiments conducted by China's upper-level science circles at that time also confirmed the existence of other dimensions, which were called by the researchers hidden states or field states. Later on, with the help of high-speed cameras, researchers from the National Defense Science and Industry Commission even succeeded in capturing tablets of medicine passing through the dimensional barriers of a glass bottle under the energy effect of supernormal capabilities. It was because of this series of successful experiments in the human body sciences that the Central Committee of the Communist Party 
and the state council at that time formulated the three no's policy regarding human body science and qigong. That is, no promoting, no criticizing, no debating. However, since 1996, some Chinese media, including the Guangming Daily, violated the central government's three no's policy by openly attacking Falun Gong. The situation later escalated to the Public Security Bureau arresting Falun Gong practitioners in Tianjin and the April 25, 1999 peaceful appeal in Beijing. In the recent anti-Falun Gong campaign waged by the Chinese regime, a few so-called experts or scholars have relied on the limited knowledge and assumptions of today's human sciences to rashly deny phenomena yet unknown to them. Their attitude of jumping to conclusions subjectively itself is unscientific and unsupported. Even from the perspective of experimental science, we should not recklessly negate things that we cannot understand temporarily. In this article, I have talked about things related to empirical sciences and cultivation theories that are often very close to theories in human society, in hopes of having society understand us, or at least to avoid some misconceptions. It is also our wish that the Chinese regime and its top leaders will clarify their misunderstandings of Falun Dafa and its kind-hearted practitioners. Personally, I like to practice cultivation alone quietly and enjoy the peace. However, when Falun Gong is being mistreated like this, as a veteran practitioner, I have the obligation to stand up to clarify some facts and reveal the truth. Recently, the People's Daily carried a commentator's article accusing Falun Gong of amassing wealth. This is totally groundless. For the 10-day Falun Gong teaching series given by Master Li in Beijing that I attended, I only paid 40 yuan, the equivalent of 500 Japanese yen, or 5 US dollars, which was the lowest charge I have ever known for Qigong teaching sessions in China. Even now I still have the completion certificate issued at that time, with the cover signed by the China Qigong Research Society. It was the China Qigong Research Society that had organized the event. At the Falun Gong practice sites I had visited in several parks of Beijing, all of the Falun Gong classes were free of charge and given by volunteers. Furthermore, the Beijing Assistance Center did not even have an office. I personally had offered to make a donation to Falun Gong, but the Falun Gong Research Society graciously declined my request after asking Master Li. According to the staff of the Research Society, Master Li said that no individual donations would be accepted because after affluent practitioners made a donation, the less well-off practitioners might also want to make a donation. However, their financial inability would make them feel bad. That's why no individual donations were accepted. I was deeply moved by the reply. This was real, selfless benevolence and compassion. I also knew that the contact person of the Dalian Assistance Center had purchased a villa in her personal capacity and wanted to give it to Master Lee as a gift. But Master Lee did not accept the gift. I had also proposed to donate the six suites of real estate investment I purchased in Beijing to Falun Gong, but Master Li rejected my proposal again. All the above facts are what I have personally seen or heard. Since 1995, the Public Security Ministry has carried out two nationwide investigations into Falun Gong and concluded that Falun Gong had no political background and should be regulated as per the regular public group security rules. In fact, Falun Gong teaches good citizenship and offers instructions to genuine practitioners in cultivation practice. It brings only benefits and no harm to society. In short, the accusations made by the Chinese Communist Party against Falun Gong are non-factual. 
we believe that history will give a fair judgment on Falun Gong. Thank you for listening to Hearts and Minds Uplifted, a special series brought to you by Minghui Radio. For more information, including news about the persecution of Falun Gong practitioners in China and experience sharing stories by practitioners around the world, please visit our website at en.minghui.org.